0: Hello, and welcome to the Delco Skate Park Coalition podcast. The Delco Skate Park Coalition is a nonprofit organization of skate enthusiasts, parents, and disability rights advocates looking to build adaptive and inclusive skate parks in Delaware County, Pennsylvania. I'm your host, Aaron Lopez, and we are the podcast that covers all things about skateboarding, skate parks, and not just skate parks, but ADA, accessible, adaptive all wheels, and inclusive skate parks in Delco and beyond. It's a pretty amazing thing. The Delco Skate Park Coalition podcast has grown and I'm super stoked to be talking with Chuck Trees. Chuck is a skater with roots in the early Philadelphia skate scene. He is also a Sessions musician who began playing drums at age six and whose band McRad formed the soundtrack for the Pal Peralta videos, including Savannah Slamma. Chuck, welcome. This is such an honor to be talking with you. Good,
1: Thank you you, uh, for having
0: me on. So uh, where are you from and when did you get your first skateboard?
1: Um, I am originally from a little, I would say, kind of like borough in Wilmington, Delaware. It's called Dunley. It's a little neighborhood, kind of a port town. That's like a port area of Wilmington. And uh, I first saw a skateboard at age 11, and I had my first personal skateboard at age 13. But 11 is when I started tic tacking on a board that had no grip tape, metal wheels,
0: So one of those early boards that were totally unsafe to ride anywhere.
1: Yeah. I mean, it was like, it's just crazy. It was just like a scooter without it's like, you know, a little auto post on it. But it was amazing that like, I can remember that skateboarding, skateboards just being let into society. It was something that had to be, you know, like initiated.
0: Yeah. Now, when, when did you kind of uh, transition from like those early boards with the metal or, you know, the clay wheels to a, a board that was, you know, the polyurethane wheels. Sort of the the, the technology that changed, kind of in the seventies.
1: Yeah. Well, from age eleven, so um, basically, like the start of age thirteen, I kind of stayed intrigued with the metal wheels and the wood boards. And then when I moved to the suburbs and to this uh, development called Metalwood, which is right off of Kirkwood Highway, uh, right outside of Newcastle. I saw a kid, you know, rolling down the street and his board was a little bit more together. He had plastic wheels and the whole thing. And and there was a, it happened to be a skate shop that's right in my neighborhood. So I was able to go down and just pay $15, you know, and boom, I got a better skateboard. I scraped my knee and that was it.
0: Yeah. So you were into it after that. What was the name of that skate shop that was in your neighborhood?
1: so long ago. Really. <laughs> Sorry. But our, our, our main one that we went to is one called Wooden Wheels. Wooden Wheels has been like the staple real deal skate shop of Delaware. You know, Cause I'm a Delaware kid first before being, you know, introduced into the Philly scene, but I was always in Philly as a kid because my mom was there, but.
0: That's cool. Um, tell me a little bit about what kind of skate terrain you had access to when you were younger, when you were first learning to skateboard, was it kind of like curbs in your neighborhood or did you go to any skate parks?
1: Well, yeah like well the first thing you you
0: obviously don't have how to
1: ride on and skate is just your local street or your local sidewalk or local driveway and uh from there when i moved to the suburbs you know, i heard that there was a park opened up that opened up in Wilmington, delaware called easy rider so from basically age 13 on towards you know 14 i started riding they call them wave park parks where they're more like kind of waves and the, the edges of the parks are not as, as jagged as or, or sharp. Just more of kind of like a flow, old school surfy thing. They had balls, but it's more of a cruise park. You can get air. But that was our, our our main kind of stoke other than backyard ramps. And then we had Cherry Hill skate park between the ages of let's say fourteen to sixteen. It was a very short window of when we had skate parks. Hence the reason why skating had to go to more of a backyard sport at the moment.
0: Tell me a little bit about, because I've talked to other folks who have skated at Cherry Hill and, and they've talked about the design and how, how nice the concrete was there. And tell me a little bit about like the first time you went to Cherry Hill, what that was like.
1: Well, yeah, I, I, on my way to Cherry Hill, um, my mom was taking me to this park called Weber's Wave, which is right on the same street as Cherry Hill Skate Park in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. And that was another wave park, probably done by the same people who did the park in Wilmington. So I went there to that park and the owner was like, hey, you know, there's a better indoor park right down the road. And I was like, what? What do you mean indoors? Like, no, there's an indoor skate park. So, you know, a 14-year-old kid. You know, hey, well, how can we go down the road? And then bang, I walk in the door and it's like the best indoor park that I've ever, to this day, have skated. The design, the pools, the terrain. You know the the, the free, we called them freestyle areas instead of street areas, but we had two banked areas. And what that park was ahead of its time. I, I wish we still had that park. It's, it's it's kind of sad that that park is not with us. But that park is to me is kind of like the the center of skateboarding. Every person who was that was important at that time between fourteen and sixteen, my age, from Mike McGill on. I mean, they were at that park. I mean, they were going there to train. They were going there. To, to hone in, they were going there to make friends, they were going there to see what this East Coast flavor was about. Just because we had the terrain, is, is the, the key to the whole
0: like right You had the access to that really amazing terrain. Yes. Tell me how did that impact your skateboarding, mm-hmm. having access to a park like Cherry Hill?
1: Well, it was, having access to Cherry Hill made backyard ramps at first seem kind of like less thin because they weren't as smooth but then having a really good park you could basically take what you would work on your 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 own personal ramp and feel more professional because you had people that were already at that professional level at that park which is all about the terrain so if you have a professional park it doesn't matter if there's only one pro there. there's someone there pushing the level a young kid who's practicing at home when they go to their local park of, of their local level i want to say local level of a to, of terrain park which means you have professional people there professional thinking people there you have to elevate you have to get better because you're seeing it repetitive you're seeing the best skaters try a trick 10 15 20 times and it's a perfect pole but you realize they're doing it in the perfect location and because it gives you the essence of doing it because you're seeing them perfect it it's not like they're struggling to do the trick and, Everything is so, it was was a very visual part for a young skater to learn. That's always going to help you get get better when you have visually have a level of professionalism at a young age.
0: You had skaters that you could see executing some of the moves that you were trying to work on and they were, they were already good at it.
1: Yeah. Some of the best in the world that were already sponsored, like Jamie Godfrey, Mike Zalowski, Victor Perez, you know, Popo from New York. And then you had the, the underground guys, like, you know, I was in that mix. Tom Groholski was in that mix. Jeff Arpcel, who's you know huge, was in that mix. Tim Murphy was in that mix. It was like Steve Herring, Brad Constable. There's all these other people that we kept looking at, the people that we looked up to in the park, and it was actually coming to us. It just we were so impatient. We didn't realize that we had the best park in the world to learn from. So it was just it just made you want to get get it yourself to get better. It's a super fun way to learn how to get better at, skateboarding, at, at riding skateboarding.
0: You know, yeah. Fun. You talked about uh, Jamie Godfrey um, who we, we know well at the Delco Skate Park Coalition as he's one of our members. He's great. And you talked about Mike Cheslowski. How influential were some of the friends that you made in developing your own skateboarding skills?
1: Um, My own skateboarding skills were definitely like looking up to the guys that I came up with at Easy Rider. There were a bunch of guys called the Woodsmen. um, And Todd Varney was one of those guys that was in that clique of people. And and so from there, when I would go to other parks and I would watch a guy like Jamie Godfrey skate, it it made me want to kind of like, like sometimes people you want to get influenced by skating and you want to pick up your board and you want to skate. But sometimes there's certain skaters that will make you sit down and, and, and watch them because they're doing things at a certain level where if you don't sit down and watch them, you're not going to pick it up. I mean, it's, it's great to be stoked by a session, but it's also great to learn and have it happen right in front of your face. And, and Mike Jesolowski and Jamie Godfrey were two of the cleanest skaters that you could go witness skate live. And they, were, they weren't arrogant. They were really nice people. They were open. If you had a question about something, they would answer. And then they would also come and skate with you. They wouldn't like alienate you because of your level of skating. You know, really cool guys to come up with wanting, as a young skater, wanting to get better and, and eventually hopefully being on their level someday. You know, I never asked them, how to, how do you get to your level? I just wanted to be around them to learn from them.
0: When you did uh, start to develop skills and um, you moved into an area of getting sponsored, was that something that you'd had as a goal for yourself after skating at Cherry Hill, had you already had that goal? Was that just in your in your sights? Did that how did that happen?
1: Um, well, I was always the playing like like baseball and stuff like that. And, you know, uniform uniforms and whatever. So I had that process of like, well, you you find something that you love, you make the team. There's a cost of something, and if it's worth it, you, you take it to that level. Well, with skateboarding, because it had such a um, Big burst in the beginning with Tony Alba and, and and the whole Hollywood thing and you know, Charlie's Angels and whatever else that could be conjured oh, up. Oh,
0: yeah, that's right. Are you talking about Stacy Peralta on the Charlie's yeah, Angels episode?
1: Yeah. <laughs> and that stuff was cool, but it wasn't like the solid foundation of why skate, skateboarding is real. And skateboarding is real because it's connected to the surf culture. And the surf culture at that point couldn't help skate parks because it's two different environments. So if you have something that's great and it's big at one point and then it shuts down, when it shuts down, the people that are left are the people that have to kind of reinvigorate and reinvent everything. Versus if you would have had something that would have stayed with us, we would have still done all that reinventing. It would have just been on a grander scale. When you buy a skateboard, you don't don't get the education of everything that goes into it. You have to learn or make mistakes into skateboarding, figure out why things are happening What's going on? And I think that's the whole intrigue with skateboarding wise. It's, it's so successful now, and there's so many different parks. And the fact that there still needs to be parks in areas like your own where oh, yeah. you need people to focus in the, in, in the concrete and focus in the soil like, hey, having these transitions around are going to help these kids transition into being great stars or great people, or it may help them transition from being a drug addict to out of not being a drug addict. You know what I mean? Or violence into not being violent, you know what I mean, or, you know, I don't like being around people, or I just like being around skate people, or skate parks may just become a cool place just to hang out, like just, they just may be that next environment that people have just shunned away because all these people are weird, and I'm like, oh, we're weird because we got things taken away from us, and we still kept loving what we were doing, and that's the difference between a skater, to me, you know, when we've had things like Cherry Hill, we've had the grandiose things, had the best, Stacey Crawford, Jamie Godfrey, Mike Desnostics, and you realize that there's still a lifestyle that needs to be created and maybe the lifestyle wasn't even big enough at that point to even sustain the money that would be put into scapegoat. You know what I mean? It's like we don't know yeah. that. Once again, we're making these mistakes into something that's now a multi-billion dollar industry just because of the love. I mean, the money that goes into it is the multi-billion dollar industry, but the love that goes into it is like, it's crazy when you get past how to work a business in skateboarding. When you get to the love part of it, the lifestyle and the people and the stories, it's overwhelming how crazy.
0: When you were younger, um, it sounds like you were interested in kind of merging music and skateboarding and sort of developing uh, a trailblazing for yourself, you know, those two creative paths. Mm-hmm. Um, how, you know, how old were you when you figured out that like, that's what I want to do?
1: Well, music I've always wanted to do since I've been a, a little kid because I started playing with my dad's band when I was like age six. So, you know, that was kind of like having a father that played the same instruments that I do. I mean, I just did it because he made it look fun. and He's he a military guy, a PT instructor U.S. Army, and then he drove for Dart in, in Wilmington. So he just utilized his band as just kind of like a, a way to, to stay creative. You know, and that's all I wanted to do with anything that happened around me. You know, stay stay creative, stay, stay open to it stay whether it's accepted or not, because I didn't have a, a I didn't have any pressure on me to be sponsored or what to to get things like to a certain level. It was like, well, if I figure if I can get around enough people that were influencing me in a certain direction and it made sense, great. Right. because I, as I said, I came up playing like regular sports, baseball, basketball, whatever. And I just threw it away because skateboarding, I saw it had a very core connection with like what was going on in the 70s. And then it snapped off and then we had to break into being artists. We had to break into being like, well, I'm a skater and I do play music and they do work together. But we have to create it. You know what I mean? We have to we have to put some kind of time in.
0: Tell me a little bit about about Bad Brains and and how you guys so that photo for one thing but then how that got to be a mural in New York City
1: um I think that basically it was Shepherds Shepherd Ferry has a way of just finding like he's done events before with the Bad Brains you know in his own environment but New York is one of those things where it's just Bad Brains are like a staple of New York and it's just a staple of D.C., but also a staple of just, just young people being kind of aggressive and still having a voice. And so I think Shepard needed to find the right photo say, you know what, if I'm going to do anything in New York, it's going to make every New Yorker that loved the Bad Brains be like, yeah, that's when I was into that band and that's when they were that band. You know what I mean? It's like, there's certain photos where you can look at the Stones and say that's when they were great. Zeppelin, the same thing. Black Sabbath, you know, Ozzy, the whole thing. But Bad Brains, there's because it was so, such a, a spark that blew up, there's only a certain amount of photos that relate to people. Because after a certain couple of records, people started going their different ways about that. But that photo, and this
0: mural is so beautiful. Yeah. I mean, for anyone who's you know seen it, and that in that mural, are you are you in the mural? No,
1: no, that's just that's the original band. I just someone just tagged me because of me, you know, playing drums with them, and those guys are like you know uncles and brothers to me. And, and I grew up playing hardcore in New York. And that's where we all graduated. This, as I, I go back to the uncertainties and and what people, you know, kind of cast on other people. Why are you doing that? That's weird. It's like if, if the bad brains would to listen to people saying, "Oh, you should just be more of a straight up band," they would have never got that mural. You know what I mean? That mural to us, as far as skateboarding and punk rock, everyone's going to go by with a different memory. They're going like, yeah, I, I should stay young. I should stay connected to what drives me to be positive.
0: Now, your band, McRad provided a lot of the background soundtrack for those Pal Peralta videos. How did you, like, first make that connection with Stacy Peralta when you were growing up?
1: Stacey wrote me, well, I wrote Stacey after his first interview in Skateboarder magazine, and then he wrote me back.
0: So it was like a paper and pen yeah, letter.
1: Yeah, paper and pen letter. I wrote him on paper and pen paper and pen, and then he wrote me back telling me all about the Bones Brigade. I'd already known Jamie Godfrey and Mike Kosolowski, and I'd already, you know, was a big fan of Station, a big fan of Powell. And when he told me, he was like, yeah, I'm going to start this new thing. It's not going to be a team. It's going to just be like a crew of people. And he was like, literally, just basically writing out what I was about to get into and turn on. But he was like, oh, I need your music, because at 14 I'm just writing him as a skater I I told him that I played music, but I just said hey your interview really inspired me because at that time we didn't have videos of the skate stuff we just had to literally read like take time out yeah, and- I
0: hadn't even I think it was like Betamax back when we were 14 it yeah, was some yeah. crazy old technology yeah. yeah so that's that's amazing so you were like 14 14- And you were watching music and Stacy reached out to you, like responded to you and was like, yeah, let's let's collaborate.
1: Yeah. Well, he was just like, yeah, let's stay in touch. And, you know, he would send me, you know, skateboards from, you know, from time to time. And then once I recorded, once he knew that I got my grad together, I mean, I was, you know, giving my progress reports through, but he, he didn't decide to use music until... We recorded Absence of Sanity, which features Weakness and McShred, which ended up in Savannah Slammer. But the reason why is because Stacy was working with our record label guy, uh, Brian Ware, who ran Beware Records and also Thunder Trucks. So Stacy had access to like my band, Stevie Cavalero's band, which is called Hot Man Out. Um Mofo had a band uh, that that he, they used some music. And so it was it was just kind of a connection piece where a bunch of us had records done, and you know, people start talking. Hey, I'm working on a video. Hey, I'm working on a video. I need some music. Brian was like, "Hey, check out our catalog. Everybody on our label's a skater." Stacey's like, "Oh, let me check." And then we turn around, and then all of our, our, our music just starts taking off because Stacy put us into a video, which that that was going to just take off.
0: How did things change for you? Um, you know, this, this is when you're like really young still and your, your music and your band are featured in a video that and becomes like really popular, right? I mean, a lot of people, a lot of copies of that were sold. How do things change for you and for McGrath after that video is published?
1: Um, it pretty much put us on the map to have placement like, you know, an in, in Asian orange or Suicidal tendencies, you know, fans that were out there that we already looked up to. And because it's skating was still kind of an underground lifestyle and really not kind of a a valued sport yet. Anything that, that could get used to stoke skateboarders within their own community was a hit. So it just made me feel like we're building this community. And a lot of times I'll be playing that song and the whole crowd won't be a skater crowd. But when I do get to that skater crowd, it's going to make it that much better. And from the young part of me witnessing that, it's still the same way to this day because it's an environmental thing. Like music hits people on so many different levels that skateboarding just opened music up to the skateboard community and it blew up at the same time because the skateboard community basically loves music. So it's a really weird math problem. But the only thing that's weird about it is just the fact that we just hit with our music at that time where it needed to come through the channel. So I didn't really feel like I was a I coached a rock star. Whoa, everyone knows my music. I was like, dude, my music relates to skateboarding. So why don't I just be happy with that and figure out the rest of my my, my career the way I wanted to? So whenever I want to come back out of my career mindset, I'll never mess with what I created as a cable station, which is like my heart, my passion.
0: You guys get that exposure in the Stacey Peralta videos, and then you start to you know connect with other bands. Was there a point where you where you guys start touring, where McRad is doing some touring, going to different places and playing, and that becomes the focus?
1: Yeah, we played shows all through Philly, um, Connecticut, uh, all through Pennsylvania, uh, DC. I mean, we we definitely. We did tours, we did shorter tours. I mean, we were younger we I mean, you had to realize that our bass player was 14 going on 15, and I was 19. So, I mean, we could have, young. were young. We're super young, you know, and so we had the, you know, the band was in two separate compartments. The original lineup lasted for about a year and a half, and then when I wrote Weakness, I had to put a whole new band together, and that's when we were starting the tour, but touring and scheduling, it was easier to do random shows at skate parks and punk rock things and different, and, and different. it just felt better because touring kind of wears people out. And for some reason, the tours that I did were fun, but it wasn't like we were always, always touring. I figured I, figured I would yeah. rather be playing shows where they supported skating and they supported things that related to the band at that time.
0: That was what I was going to ask you about is, you know, in terms of your, you know, where you guys were playing and, and there's like, video of you guys when you were really young um i think there's a video of you on youtube playing somewhere in philadelphia in like 1984 were you guys playing in like venues for skate parks were you taking your skating with you when you would go play in different places
1: yeah we were we were always getting like kind of like ah look at these guys with their skateboards you know because I mean? it was wasn't um an accepted form of like how you show up at a show even for punk rockers so we got that kind of like you know thrown at us But we had to play every venue. Like, we had to play with metal bands. We had to play with funk bands. We had to play with reggae bands. I mean, that's what kind of influenced us. But the coolest thing about it as kids, we were able to go in and play 21 and over clubs. And most people think, oh, I can go in and I can, you know, drink alcohol and there's drugs and, and there's girls and crazy stuff around. And to me, I'm like, whoa, there's all these musicians here and these guys know what they're doing. Like, these people have figured it out. Like, because like, I've learned from my father, Top he had a top 40 band, so they played more R&B and you know, classic rock and stuff. But when you get into a scene like Philadelphia and you're a young person, you're know, around these professional people who obviously have lived the part. It's not like you're on a pirate ship, but it's damn well close. You know what I mean? You get to learn from people. Well, some of the, the best people in the world that I've learned from musically come out of Philadelphia. So that's what I... I'm so happy that the, the venues let a bunch of young kids in their their, their establishments to, to play their music and, and learn.
0: You guys, you had to be good to get in there.
1: <laughs> yeah, you had, to, <laughs> you had to figure something out.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Hey, everyone, this is Jeff Ament. If you'd like to support the mission of the Delco Skate Park Coalition, go to their website at www.skatedelco.org. Let me ask you this. When you, um, you know, I I think at some point you'd said that like your mom was living in Philadelphia and so you spent a lot of time there. And then as you were like 19 and going into your 20s, um, you're part of the early Philadelphia skateboarding scene. Um, that y- you you were there as it was growing and developing. Um, when did you kind of first start to um, get involved with like FDR skate park and start skating there? Because some of our some of our coalition friends who skate there, like right. I've skated with Chuck. He's awesome, you know And so <laughs> well, as I was there
1: when 1995' my first son Isaac is just being you know, just coming into this world. And you know I'm just like in the new dad, so I'm like seeing my head's freaking out. I'm doing whatever. And of course we have stuff around the state, but all of a sudden this guy TZ is like Chuck. Like, what? He's like we just built some stuff down in this park. I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like well remember when they had like Lollapalooza back in the day? That's where the park is. And I'm like, Are you kidding me? And I'm like I was just back there hanging out with like Courtney Love and some guys from the Goats, and why would they put a skate park there? And so I go down there and I see. They had a couple of different obstacles built, and I was just like, "Oh, it's, it's over." He's like, "Yeah, they're gonna let us build everything down here." And I was like, "Oh wow, my friends are crazy. Like, they they don't realize what they just did. They just gave the keys to, to the craziest, weirdest, archiest, weird, creative people in the world. And we have attitude problems, but they Philadelphia's actually finally, after 15 years or so of lobbying for skate space, they gave us." something in South Philly. And that's, I mean, since 95, I've been there and I've rarely ever missed a summer at that park and I've rarely ever missed a winter at that park. I've always been, there. I mean, it's still to this day. I mean, it's amazing, it's, 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 it's built careers. It's, it's gone beyond skateboard.
0: It's grown so much since yes. 1995. Are there particular features at FDR that you like to skate the most?
1: Um, I mean, I like to just peruse all of it. I mean, I could do what I can. I mean, I think that's what's cool about FDR. I mean, everyone can shred all all aspects of it. And and that's great. But that park also is a fun surf park. I mean, it's like a concrete, you know, water park that has options for you to like, if you want to break yourself off and get it, you can, but you're going to break yourself off and get it. Yeah, you will. You know what I mean? So it's just one of those parks. So the payoff is you have to skate everything with caution. And so that's that's why I think people like the park, and that's why I like it. I don't have a favorite obstacle because they've changed through the years of my skating. You know what I mean? First it was the back pool to the right and then there's the other bowl where I do most of my stuff on my laybacks and that was cool. But now it's just like, where can I get speed out of the park? And the park is almost like a big pump track to me. You know, it's like if I can't get through the park, I shouldn't even be in the park speed I'm at that level at the park. If I can't go from one end of the park to the next. And, and get out of the park and stand on my board and without like you know you know what I mean like I sh- you have to be mentally physically in shape to skate that park and enjoy it and I think every park should have its ins and outs like that but FDR to me is that one proven ground place where if you're not solid on your board you don't go to that park.
0: Is there any kind of, you know, newer build parks that you've been to that sort of come close to that skate terrain that you had at Cherry Hill?
1: Well, um, different parts of Cherry Hill, like going back on like what I would focus on, like how I was saying, like, I focus on different spots in FDR, like like a lot of what Jesse Jesse builds for Fifth pocket, like since his first warehouse that we skated in North Philly and watching him build all that stuff, like. the the combination of his parks matter to me. And and they're my favorite in the combination of, I pretty much almost skated everything within our area of skating. But as far as a park, that would be my favorite. I just skated, this one in Birmingham, Alabama. It's probably the, the best put together park for all types of skaters, pump track. I mean, the amount of concrete they poured under this highway is is insane. And then they have a roller skating section where people can go and it's just, it's really cool how the city of Birmingham has integrated skateboarding into their downtown area. They made a a complete, if you wanna be pro, you can go to Birmingham, Alabama and be pro. It's not like you can't be pro. If you you wanna visualize skateboarding on on a high level, not that you can't do that at your home park anywhere else, but that's one park where you can go there and feel like, well, if I get any sort of footage here, I'm gonna look 10% better, you know, than being where I'm at. You know what I mean? And no disrespect to people's parks, it's just that that's the whole thing about traveling. When you show up at a spot, even showing up at one of your new delco spots, somebody may be able to see something in an Austrian, and I, like, I never thought that would be there. And then they blow it up and then boom, you know, but, but since parks are based off a of big impressive and, and and the bigness of it if there was a big park that I would recommend people to go to would be check anything in Birmingham. I think with communities, it's like, um, I don't even think the community knows that it's a community that can have value when it comes to young people's dreams, you know, and it's, and that's part of the process of why skateboarding is so beautiful. It's just, it's, it's, it's developing so fast that people unless you're a part of the culture and and, and sometimes these communities don't understand what it's like to be a part of a culture. Like the skateboard culture, it's a huge community, but the culture is basically like, we need somewhere to go. We need somewhere to elevate. Yeah, we may be bored of it five to 10 years or or the the scene may change, it may be crowded and then it may die off. But all it takes is that one person to go there one day and stoke themselves out and they shut themselves off on on, on the road that they never have you know, if that park wasn't there. So, like, having any sort of park there lets the community know. It may take 20 years for people to see because it's not Philadelphia. They have certain communities are always up to looking, like Chester looks to Philly, like, you know, Wilmington looks to Philly, like Philly looks to New York, like New York kind of looks to Boston or whatever, or, you know, there's all these different dynamics. And for some reason, our little part of what I call the South, which is Delaware, Delaware County. It is the South, you know what I mean, and we have to be, you know, real about that. But there comes this stigmatism of people just think slower. They they have different process of just creating like happiness, love to themselves. So the younger kids are just more disgruntled. But what these people shouldn't realize is these disgruntled of kids they have energy that's untapped. So if you go into these raw communities and you let that untapped energy off and they're not picking up guns or, or doing whatever, you know what I mean? They're just picking themselves up. You're going to get some promise. You're going to get, but they don't see it because they figure well, these communities, well, if it didn't happen for me, why would all of a sudden the skate parks matter to my young kids? It's just like, well, you are always on the move. you are always going. And people, are fel- you can't even keep up with the amount of clips that go up on, on Instagram on skateboarding can't you can't find there's too many people skating doing things in different places and we don't have like Delaware County has a lot of stuff to skate but it's not a lot of open kind of like terrain where it's safe for people to skate. So we need to no, know you know we definitely
0: not. And so, you know, the area that um you know that we've that we've looked in there are a couple of areas where we've looked into possible skate parks and you know skateboarding on the street for kids is illegal.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, that's what I think it's the communities need to realize that if they can value the fact that one of these kids is going to go and pull something heavy out of skateboarding, it always happens. It always happens in the rawest neighborhoods. So some of these neighborhoods, should realize, well, why don't we start bottling some of that energy for our, ourselves? Because these kids can come back to their neighborhoods and be like, wow, I learned at this skate park. Like I did my first grinds here. Skate parks are like that. You know what I mean? It's just like... Backyard ramps are like that, but not everybody wants people in their backyards making noise and doing whatever. You know what I mean? Public places, they 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 take the pressure off of people opening up their their, their homes and their loved ones to all this whole society of skating, which is a, kind of a crazy world. When that energy gets bottled up and you got like 10, 15 people in your backyard raging, it's not like the funnest thing in the world to do if you're not ready for it. So I I think what you guys are doing. Advocating for people to get back into the community so they can influence the community, which skate parks are doing. And, and only yeah. people are not going to understand that, that that train of thought until so they go out and see it and be like, "Oh, there's my little kid. Oh, six months ago he was just not even doing anything, and now it's like, whoa. You know what I mean? But six months to us, yeah, like,
0: yeah.
1: I got to wait six months for a park. I got to make six months for a board. It's six months to us is long. You know what I mean? But for a regular. Yeah. Pro- it's much as simple that's like half a school year you know what i mean it's like you know what i mean yeah we're, we're not thinking that will become a skate park but that's what skate parks are going to have to start doing is integrating themselves into society where they have to pull society in we can't we can't go to them we got to pull them into us like you know what i mean
0: there's sort of this um you know, uh, myth that skateboarding was never here, but skateboarding has always been here. You know, there there's always been a skate scene in Delaware County. There's always been people that have had their backyard ramps. Mm-hmm. For you, you had access to Tom Grolski's ramp um, and that that was a pretty influential ramp for you, right?
1: Yeah, it was, ama- it was an amazing ramp. It was, it was cool because it was plexiglass. So we had never skated on something like that all the time unless you went to a park or a fiber rider park. And the transitions were perfect, so we had, you know, it was all this stuff that we were being reminded of, okay, we don't have all the, the concrete we had at Cherry Hill, but we have a 12-foot wide, 10-foot, almost 11-foot ramp. So that's not 16 feet wide, that's 12 feet wide. So, you know, it's that ramp, the fact that the 12-foot wide ramp could end up on the front cover of Thrasher for myself and Tom and, and support Mike Bellelli skating and a bunch of other people. It's crazy. It's, it's one of the coolest things in skating because Tom and I had to have that conversation. Of, what do we do? Like, oh, I'm going to keep skating my little blue mini so I'm like, oh, you have mini ramps in your backyard? He was like, yeah, I always do. And so a skater's like, well, he's lucky. He's always skating. No, no wonder he rips. You know, he's putting his hours in. So I used to have to take, the, you know, SEPTA, New Jersey Transit to go to North Brunswick to skate. You know, my parents were too busy working, you know. I wasn't a latchkey kid, but once again, I'm not gonna sit there and say, yo, um dad skateboarding is the most important thing in the world, and you should realize that, and I should be able to get wherever I need to go. They were like, if you want to go there, you gotta get your ass there and, and make sure. Okay.
0: So so tell me how you got to Tom's ramp. You would have to take SEPTA would, to like Trenton. Would,
1: from, from West Philly, I would I would basically if it was too cold, I would take the L from like fifty-six. 30th Street Station. Take SEPTA from 30th Street Station to Trenton, in New Jersey. Switch to a New Jersey Transit and get off at the North Brunswick train stop in North Brunswick, and either take a cab to Tom's or walk to Tom's. And I did that. So for the you.
0: dedication. Yeah. <laughs> if you know SEPTA and New Jersey Transit, the yeah. dedication. Yeah. Yeah. That's that impressive.
1: Badge, stinking, whatever, broken off. You know what I mean? Bruised at whatever. You know what I mean? People look like, are at you on the train, you're getting on the train, you're like all oh, like out of your you know, people, what what are you guys doing? What are these pads around your ankles? We didn't care. We were showing up like I wouldn't even show up with knee pads around my ankles back. But, but back in the day we thought it was cool because we were just being skaters, but because of we had to put so much into it to get to a spot when we would get just you know, Cherry Hills like 15 minutes over the bridge, you know, from Philly. You know, you can go and skate indoor park and it was like you go over that place now. All you see is a building. You don't see, I mean, it's just that what we had to do to get skateboarding to get back on its feet again, it was, it was crazy. Like most people thought yeah. we were out of our minds. They were like, you guys are like, it's not gonna work. No, it's going to work. <laughs> like, yep,
0: we're gonna make it work. How did skateboarding just kind of overall really sort of influence your life and your creativity?
1: Um, I think skateboarding influenced me to be a little bit more steadfast. Even though, like, like I can pine and and think, and pining and is a good thing as far as like what you do is creatively thinking about songs, thinking about art. But pining in another way could be weird because oh, I, I'm not better than this person, or I need to be better myself, or do whatever. Like skateboarding kind of helped me stay in the middle of all of my crutches that I probably would have put hands on if I would have dealt with something that would have been a little more like kind of straight up, you I know, mean, because skateboarding was so undeveloped that just because we had to be ourselves and unique in it, if you didn't have a character back in back in the day in skateboarding or a nickname, you had to get one. It's one of those things, you know what I mean? So you had to kind of, it's like a graffiti artist, you know, putting up their tag, you know what I mean? It's like, you know, they're vigilantes and they're, art and they're weirdos and then all of a sudden they're the most repaired people in the world, but I mean, you know, not understand how many times you have to put up your name on something to be de- visualized. So it's just like every time you put up, you know, it's like every time you do a frontside grind, I did a grind today. I did it, you know, you know what I mean? It's just like, so I think that when, when you put that energy into like something like a graffiti thing or, or a skateboard thing, because of the, the level of persistence that you have to have going through your own levels, you have to be dedicated you got to stay on it and you have to be influenced by it. I'm just happy that skateboarding influenced me that way. I didn't know it was going to. I just started realizing once I stuck my head inside the world of it and looking around the tricks and looking on oh, almond forest or I'm in sponsor. And how do I skate this spot? How do I skate vert if there's no vert around? How do I take street skating and turn it into vert? So that's when the street, the street plan started. Because for me, I'm like, well, if I needed to keep my vert plans up, I got to start going on the street. You know, there's the only one I'm gonna be able to stand shape. So there's all these different ways to look at skateboarding, which is now street skating to street skating. And bird skating is vert skating and bowl skating is bowl skating. But back in the day it was like, I need a skate truck and I don't have it. What can I do to make me think that I'm on vert? Or what can I do to make me think that I'm somewhere else? Like kind of like placebo effect, you know what I mean, within the art of art skating.
0: Is there a maneuver that you were able to accomplish, you know, in your in your skate history that you were like the most proud of? Like, I yeah, finally got that one.
1: Uh, well, probably like doing the layback when Glenn Friedman was like, you know, doing the photography because Glenn is like a unique person and, and great guy and person I've known through music and through skating. But to have him realize that I had something within that trick because that at that point. The layback rollout, you know, layback slide was, we were emulating Dwayne Peters. And he's always been a hero and a mentor. He he invented that trick. And so every skater on the East Coast that I knew wanted to be Dwayne Peters. So to me, when I had that trick locked in on mini ramps and eventually on Burt, Tom and I did the same. We called called them fastbacks because the way most people do them is they, they grind and they put their hand down and they have to push. We grind until we stop and then we put our hands down. So it was a different thing of, of working that trick into a friend. Just that, to me, has a special place because of Tom and, and uh, Glenn Friedman. But probably the, the one that is my own personal one, to me, was I, I was at a skate session. But I was skating with Craig Johnson, Dan Wilkes, Tom Brokowski, Klob Groski, a bunch of pros. And I decided, I'm like, you know, today I'm just gonna go chest high on the backside air. And then it happened. You know what I mean? It was it was something that like I didn't have a camera set up. I didn't have a photographer set up. I Didn't have any, you know, anything. I'm like skating with people that were like the best, of the best. But there was no pressure on, on the session. It was like one of the funnest sessions that I've been to. One of all these pros and top amateurs in Virginia Beach I'm skating this ramp called Haven. and it was just one of the best days in the world. And I was like, wow! If every contest could be like this, then I would, I would. That's what I want to be. And and basically that day turned into what I do at FDR. Why McRagg still just plays mainly skate stuff. Because I've always wanted to keep that ethos to me. Like if I can get off on my board and go skate, I'm fun. You know what I mean? Or play music or, you know what I mean? Or, you know what I mean? I'm rocking on the stage, skate, come back, you know, whatever. It's, It's just stupid stuff like that that just kind of makes those memories the most beneficial. But it started at Lynn Haven. Seeing all of us as a skate community because it's probably like 100, 200 people in the skate community at that time. You know what I mean? All of us, we knew each other, but it was cool the fact that one day we're going to go back to this day and think like, remember that day? Like, well, I was, you know, like he separated his shoulder that day. And then like Rick Charnowski, Glenn Charnowski was having a diabetic attack at a Burger King. Like it was like all this weird stuff happening within skateboarding. We're just no cell phones, no computers. It's all like you're getting stuff by a pigeon or something, you know what I mean? But we still, <laughs> we still held each other together. And like a lot of people, we tripped out that I'm still remembering that day. But that day was the amount of stuff that was going on that day was, was one of the craziest times, but it was all centered around everybody pushing themselves to, to be a little bit better. And I felt that I had reached my, my point of my backside air career going, you oh, know, I just went chest high, you know what I mean? Like, I yeah. I watch the letters on somebody's shirt, you know, meet, meet mine, and I'm like, oh, okay. I feel like I've created something. You know, I mean, it's, it's not stuff so stupid, but it's amazing. But oh. it's because yeah. it's, it's because it's like we're thriving off this energy, and when you you tap into skateboarding and it taps into you, especially if your environment's right. I don't I don't know why it makes sense. But it makes the most sense in the world. And skate parks are the the start of that. Like, speed skating is a good portion of it, but skate parks are the start of that spark. That's where those young kids go and and see their first heroes or or, or see their first tricks being made or or see their first mentors going, no, try it this way. You know what I mean? Or, no, believe in yourself or don't worry about that. Or, oh, you got into a bite, let that go. Like, you know, do something different. You know, don't skate today. Go clean up the park or change your board. Go clean your grip tape. You know what I mean?
0: You bring up such a good point on skate parks too, because I think the funnest thing is you see a kid come out and they're new to it and they don't even know what they can do yet. And they just start to explore the park and it's just so cool to watch. Like, (laughs) yeah, look at that. Look at, look at this thing. Like, you know, and I can go down that and I can turn on it, you know, and it's just, it's such a cool thing. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. Most of them, most of the the folks that i skated with at FDR who, who completely shred the piss out of me right now in skating. They all came at the skate park like that. And they, <laughs> <laughs> they all like, yeah, skateboarding is great. And I'm like, yeah, stay in your backyard. <laughs> yep.
0: <laughs>
1: no, but it's cool to like, because you're in complete control of your environment until you fall. But those first initial steps out into the skate park when you're looking, it's like I remember as a kid, it just looked like I was like like following a line of the skate park. And the walls were telling me where I could go and where I couldn't go, and and that to me was like that's life. You know, what yeah. I mean? that's I mean that's skateboarding is life, and and not that I was like oh skateboarding is a lifestyle. I was like no, I just got to keep following these lines until I can get to the point where I need to get to at the skate park.
0: Yeah, one move flows into the next.
1: Yeah, and I'm stoked all the young people that are coming into skating. But the one thing that skateboarding is, you can take the skateboard and do it anywhere that you can get it done. You know what I'm saying? It's like, oh, yeah. It's like it's <laughs> the, it's the raddest thing in the water. that I can just go right in my car right now, just pull my board out and go on the street and just do some shoving. or so just work on Ollie's for a little bit or just put a curb in, in, in the garage somewhere and just work on rocking. Just dumb stuff that people think, why are you doing it? I'm like, oh, these movements are like setting us up for when we're going to the park.
0: But even if you don't want to or or maybe that's not your focus is achieving some of those tricks, but maybe your focus is just to feel the flow of being on a board or or whatever wheels you ride, being in a skate park and being part of the community. it's like that's not going to happen if we don't build it
1: yes the the, build, the building of people's dreams uh, comes from them having the right terrain, you know whether it be farming or whether it be know architecture or just public libraries you know what i mean but skateboarding to me needs it's 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 past being accepted whether like you have the energy or not to the point of like do you have the time and the space to think about what you're doing to be better than you need to be if not you're always going to be struggling like i'm not where i need to be to get these things out of my body you know what i mean as far as like i need this terrain so that's why i'll travel and just get in my car and go to parks and sometimes only go and just skate or whatever but at least I know if I can go hit my one obstacle that I know that's there or I saw or someone told me about it's not at another park you know what I mean I'm going to miss out you know what I mean on learning a trick or even getting myself closer to a trick And when I go to the next park like my mind's going to start to replay well what did I do at the other park my favorite wall or the wall that I knew that I could accomplish you know what I mean it's like if kids yeah. don't have that in their neighborhoods, they're never even going to want to dream that. And that that's a part of the mind that I don't want closed off for anyone trying to get into, I would call like say action sports or aggressive sports or or, or, or awareness sports, but you have to be aware of what you're doing on your skateboarding 24 seven. You want to be good at it. And we want all kids to be good at what they love. We need this terrain for these people to express themselves. It may not be their careers, they may not be Olympians or whatever. They may not make a crap ton of money.
0: You don't have a way to just, to even know what that dream is unless you have that terrain to, to, yeah.
1: The muscle shuts down. That muscle, yeah. that dreaming muscle shuts down and people in California have parks everywhere. I am in mean, Colorado right now, there's over 300 public parks in, in the state of Colorado. I mean, I have parks everywhere out here. Like I've skated more park, me turning about to turn 58 now in this year that I've skated probably in the past, in, in my whole life like just because yeah of the amount of concrete that's out am i trying to skate like i'm a young person no i'm trying to skate like i'm just gonna enjoy i'm always it.
0: grateful if i can just show up just show up still put straight. my board out there
1: yeah free concrete it's like it's oh. free concrete so it's like to me that you guys are even doing a podcast you know you know advocating for you know I call it transitional concrete concrete that's going to come in and, and change people's lives it's not just a skate park
0: well Chuck I, I you know just to kind of wrap it up because we got through everything I, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to be a part of our podcast it was so totally great to talk to you and learn about your skate history and thank you so much for sharing your story with us
1: thank you too and yeah, you know, the best in what you guys are doing and yeah more parks to you Jamie Godfrey here, Um, here to find out if you might be interested in supporting our mission of the Delco Skate Park Coalition. If you are, simply go to www.skatedelco.org. Thanks.